Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children? I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Spook Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? If you notice, you didn't hear any sirens at the beginning. That's because we're disaster free. We're completely out of the Spook Show Summer Disaster. We survived. Somehow. All of that. We've made it. You know, Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens, almost took us out. <laughs> yeah. That oh, almost <laughs> did it. Like, you, you survived fucking Godzilla, zombie apocalypses, alien invasions, but uh, Sharknados. That's that's what almost did it. We survived. Well, I guess maybe Will did. I don't know. Somebody might need to go check on him. He's not here. <laughs> we, we, uh-oh. We might have left him in the danger zone. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. The Boulder NATO or whatever. Well, that was. Yeah, maybe we left him <laughs> next to a lava lantula in the lightning NATO. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if you're wondering about all the shark NATO talk, if you don't watch all of our stuff over on YouTube, that's what we're referencing. That was the latest uh, video vortex, right? Yeah, that was video vortex, mm-hmm. the latest one over on YouTube. So we encourage you to go, you know, dig that up on the on the old YouTube channel on there and check that out. Uh, before we dive in, though, two things. Number one, we are a spoiler filled podcast, so for whatever reason. The first time you're listening to us is here on episode 175. <laughs> uh, we, Welcome. Yeah, we are going to spoil the movie for you. So if you have not seen what we're here to talk about today, then I would suggest you pause, go watch it, and then come back and listen to this. But Donnie, this was your choice. The first one out mm-hmm. of the disaster. We're back to normal programming now. We need a baseline, right? We just need to fucking... After, we've cleaned up. We're after the aftermath now. That's over. So yeah. what would you bring for us? Yeah, so uh, Curse of Frankenstein, the primary uh, reason I uh, uh, nominated this was, you know, to help kind of um, bring to, I mean, we haven't really done, I mean, can you think of any movies we've done from the 50s much? Well, this is the first first time we've done a Hammer movie. The 50s? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, right, we did the, uh, the Wolfman. That was in the 40s, though. 40s. Yeah, which I think the uh, which when we did um, Godzilla, um, yeah, King of the Monsters, yeah, Godzilla, sixties. No, no, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That was nineteen fifty six. So that one counts. was it. Yeah, All right. yeah. All right. So uh, aside uh, from that one, other uh, than that, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. This being the you know the first Hammer movie, I mean, what better way to come out come out of the uh, uh, come out of the aftermath? But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, just uh, with a Hammer movie, and this to me. Uh, now I haven't seen a whole lot of the hammer hammer movies. Um, but you know, since we've done that hammer horror in order, uh, series, uh, you know, just becoming more, uh, I don't want hmm. well, a little more, uh, uh, well-versed. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a little bit more familiar with yeah. hammers, you know, style and their, uh, their catalog. And, yeah, you know, we will eventually get all the way through them. Well, yeah. Um, By the year 2035, Somewhere around there we'll get, but I mean, because right. it's a long list, yeah. but we, up to this date, up to this point, I think we've done 10 or 11. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's how many basically we've watched outside of maybe a couple others that we might have randomly watched at other times. Mm-hmm. But as far as on the YouTube channel and our Hammer Horror and Order series, we've only done like 10 or 11 so far. So, um, yeah. So I really wanted to, you know, nominate this, get, get this a uh, kind of a full s- scope uh, deep dive into it. So, uh, yeah, because so, yeah. Our, stu- our stuff on hammer horror in order and a lot, all really a lot of our stuff other than full podcast episodes on YouTube channel are, they're more short form, you know, they're somewhere between mm-hmm. say 10 to 20 minutes long. So we don't really get to take the deep dive and really talk about it and discuss it like we do here on the podcast. But if you want to go back and check that one out, and we encourage you to, we, we did the curse of Frankenstein all the way back in December of 2020. It might've been literally like one of the last things that we, released in 2022 
So it, it, uh, if you're looking by dates or whatever, it was December 29th, 2022 that that released on our YouTube channel. So it's been a little while. So it's nice to swing back around and revisit it here, you know, eight, eight months or so later. And, and I'd say for the most part, we have all enjoyed the Hammer, the Hammer Horror Order series. Like, you know, we haven't really found a turd, quote unquote, yet, right? Like, I think all of them have been, they're varying degrees, right? You might like this one a little more than the other, but we haven't found, we haven't found anything crapster piece worthy or anything like that so far. So it's been a lot of fun to do that series. So if nothing else, if you haven't checked that series out, we encourage you to. Because that's a, that's a cool one. And, and one way to get there is by going to aaspookshow.com. That's, we call that the center of the Spook Show universe. From there, you can go to our podcast archive, all the stuff that we just talked about on YouTube, including Video Vortex, Grindhouse Gutter, uh, Traumatic Experience, where we, ta- you know, we talk about the films of trauma films. Uh, lots of cool stuff over there. And from there, you can also get to our Patreon, patreon.com slash aaspookshow. And we encourage you to become a patron. And, get, and every month, you get Craftsterpiece Theater which is popular for some people, just not us. Uh, you get, <laughs> and you get the more, the even more popular library of the professor segments every month. So lots of cool extra bonus stuff over there. It helps, it helps us out. You get some extra content win, win, right? So, uh, yeah, without any further, uh, build up, let's go ahead and toss to the trailer for the curse of Frankenstein. More than a hundred years ago in a mountain village in Switzerland, lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over. We've only just started, just opened the door. Look, now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, but I can stop you using his brain. Why? He has no further use for it. Don't be a fool! Be careful! You only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane, evil, call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster, and now the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature and see that you pay for these atrocities. No! All right, there you go. That's the trailer for that. So I think we had established, well, no, I think back when we watched this on the, on, at that point for Hammer Horror in Order, I had seen this before, but I want to say it was like only like a time or two and it had been a long time. And I think all of us were basically kind of the same, right? For that. Yeah. Yeah. I was about probably 11, maybe 10, uh, when I first saw it, you know, I probably back then I didn't appreciate it as much as I, you know, back then as I do now. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first time I had seen it. I mean, way back when. So I'm sure your experience is similar, right, Smoke? Yeah, it was pretty early on, probably on TV. I'm sure of like late, late show type stuff or whatever, or maybe cable channel or whatever. But yeah, it would have been when I was preteen, and uh, I enjoyed it then. And then I probably, you know, I saw it. I don't know a handful of times, maybe four or five times, up to the point where we watched it for a uh, Hammer Horror in Order. Probably like maybe six times I've seen it in all, and now seven times. So, so uh, but yeah, I've all, I enjoyed it that first time, and then every time I watch it, I think I, I think I enjoy, my enjoyment of it goes up a little bit more, or my assessment of it. I think it's one of those movies, and we'll get into our our feelings on it and everything more so as as this episode goes on. But right out the gate, yeah, I think it's 
I, I realized the importance of it then, and, and every time I, I watch it now, it gets slightly even better. Well, let's go ahead and dive into some of the background information here so we can uh, get into talking about it, which I'm sure we're all itching to do. Uh, some of the stuff I could find, it's also known as Frankenstein in the Netherlands. That's an alternate title. And the original script title for this movie was actually Frankenstein and the Monster. So, you know, none of those are uh, really off the grid, right? Except for this one. Now, <laughs> this is more... <laughs> this is this is more of a just a problem I'm certain like some type of interpretation to what the country is but it's in Germany it was known as Frankenstein's fluke which I'm sure is you know that's what it is right it's kind of a fluke right except it's F L U C H so <laughs> Frankenstein's fluke anyways it, it debuted May 2nd 1957 that was the date of its London premiere and then it uh opened wide there in the UK May 20th of 1957 but it actually didn't play here in the United States until June 25th of 1957. Of course, this was produced by Hammer Film Productions, the classic House of Hammer. And it was distributed by Warner Brothers. On IMDb, you know, they put the ratings on there. It just says approved. So I assume that's just, you know, that that's kind of... We, we talked about the movie code and stuff like that, right, Smoke, in the past. We did an episode on that. I'm sure that's yeah, just kind know. of its... Uh, what would you What would you say? This is probably a PG, PG thirteen, something like that. Well, yes, on that today, I know today's world. Yeah, it would be probably PG thirteen because I mean it does it does have a little bit of gore in there with the, like severed hands and and some implied stuff, you know that. Mm. And Frankenstein getting shot that one scene in the eye, you know, and his blood yeah. splatters out. I guess it would probably be PG thirteen, but back then it actually did get a certificate X. In the UK. and because it's. You know, you don't think about it, but it came out in 1957. It was some shocking stuff, I guess, for that time period. You know, some of the things that were going on in the movie, yeah. even some of the sexualized sort of scenes some of, of that stuff uh, with, with the grave, the grave robbing, it. the grave robbing and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that would have been. Yeah, know. the grave robbing, the man hanging, dangling by a rope by the noose. You know, so, I mean, you, yeah, you see some little bit of that in movies from the 40s and 50s, even in the first Frankenstein, but you don't see the net, you know, hanging by the neck type directly. Yeah. So yeah, some mm -hmm. of. He's talking, I guess, at the time, and specifically the blood, like the severed hands and the implied thing of the head and the tank and everything. Yeah. Some other, it was pretty shocking and, uh, and pretty uh, controversial. I guess some of the critics at the time, especially in the UK, were pretty, uh, I guess, negative about the movie. And so it got slapped with that X rating initially, or whatever next would have been considered in the UK at the time. It has a total runtime of one hour and 22 minutes. On INBB, it's listed as a horror sci fi thriller. It was filmed at uh, Bray Studios, which is the classic location where, you know, most if not, you know, just about all classic Hammer films were made somewhere, you know, there or roundabouts, right? And that's in uh, Berkshire, England. Uh, from November 19th of 1956 to January 3rd of 1957, boy, that's a quick turnaround, right? Like, it, they wrapped <laughs> on January 3rd and this thing's hitting theaters uh, by May. So that's a... Uh, pretty quick turnaround but then again they probably didn't have the post turnaround back then that they do these days you know with all the computer generated stuff the budget was sixty-five thousand pounds sterling which i think roughly equates to you know give or take you know on, on the market about two hundred and seventy thousand dollars here in the u.s and it went on to a worldwide gross of eight million dollars so not too shabby right how much was it in uh u.s Best I could tell. Now this was uh, I don't I don't even recall what source I had on that. Sixty five thousand pounds sterling. I guess whenever they did this was roughly two hundred seventy thousand yeah. dollars. Like I said, now that that kind of fluctuates. So with the cost of you know with with the uh, what do they call that the uh, inflation infl whatever right it might be less now <laughs> exchange whatever rate. the exchange yeah. rate there you go with the exchange yeah. rate I'm sure it's probably less now but whenever they put that on there that I saw it was two hundred seventy grand. Maybe yeah, that was so at, maybe that was at the time right like you know. 65k yeah. uh back in 1957 might have equated to 270 i'm not sure yeah 270 in u.s money today would be two almost just under uh three million wow good lord yeah oh two hundred seventy thousand dollars two yeah two hundred seventy thousand. Okay, the old inflation calculator but, yeah okay i got yeah you. yeah well yeah that's probably about right but even at that back then, I mean, that had to be pretty successful to go on to yeah. a worldwide gross of eight million. You're and you're probably not playing very very wide in some places. You know, just kind of select drive-ins and theaters back then is probably not playing as much as I don't know Ben Hur or some shit that was playing at the time, right? Yeah, if you're talking eight million back then, that'd be uh, 
87 million today go. which i think off would be of 3 million yeah i think would be considered a success uh <laughs> we don't have the top 10 because you know it's a lot harder when you're going this far back but i did find the uh list of box office number 1 films in the US in 1957 so basically i'm not running through the entire list but i i'll tell you essentially what it was running against the big dog at the uh at the at the theaters here in the US at that time would have been around the world in 80 days because it it was number 1 in the box office uh let's see 1 2 3 4 5 6 separate occasions in 1957 like it was number 1 for 2 or 3 weeks went away came back number 1 2 or 3 weeks went away came back so around the world in 80 days was kicking some serious ass in 1957 around the same time that this came out some other notable ones during that time period would have been uh, some movie called The Sad Sack. <laughs> another, <laughs> another one called Pal Joey. Uh, but really right before this movie came out, though, the big one was The Ten Commandments. That thing raked early in 1957, but I guess it had kind of went away by the time this movie came out. So yeah, it's, its main competition for eyeballs would have been around the world in 80 days back in 1957. So th that's always interesting when we can find anything. But of course, this was directed by... Say it with me, Terrence Fisher. Terrence Fisher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every time we talk about Hammer, you know, it's kind of a running thing over on Hammer Horror and Order. It's it's Terrence Fisher's probably involved, right? Yeah, eventually we'll get to a movie that wasn't directed by Terrence Fisher, but we're probably a little ways away from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've only worked our way over there up to 1960. So, yeah, we're probably far away from where Terrence Fisher kind of, you know, is not the main guy anymore. And yeah, there are sporadic ones where he didn't direct. Maybe Jimmy, Jimmy Sangster did or somebody else took over the reins for a little while, but then he came back. So, but yeah, uh, We'll find out eventually together. I forget what those movies are that he didn't direct, but we'll get there. It's funny you mentioned uh, Mr. Jimmy Sangster because he did the screenplay for this, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> once again, every other thing is Terrence Fisher, Jimmy Sangster, Terrence Fisher, Jimmy Sangster. We're, we're not up to that time period where they kind of started spreading the wealth. And also, they didn't make as many movies at this point that we are at. You know, like, I think they Hammer really started to ratchet it up as far as the, uh, the horror and thrillers. Once they got past, you know, once they got into the 60s, because like, I think we started uh, in what was the first one? Uh, Quatermass Experiment. That was the first one that we did. Mm. That was 1955. So it only they only made not 10 movies, 10 movies in the 50s, like as far as like, you know, horrors and thrillers are concerned. Yeah. So like yeah. most of their library that, you know, we all know and love is most of that's in the 60s. So I'm sure we'll get to plenty more you know where they start having multiple releases every year so that's probably where uh fisher and sangster kind of start dipping in and out but uh yeah it stars peter cushing that's another thing too like all these movies is either peter cushing and or christopher lee have something to do with them this is one of the ones where they're both in it and it, it, correct me if i'm wrong i think this was the first one that we did where they uh, both appeared right yeah it was yeah this was the yeah, first was. one that either yeah. one of them appeared in a in a horror Hammer horror or thriller movie. Yeah. I know we haven't done the research. This. I mean, it could have been in a Hammer film that wasn't horror that covered the area before, you know, we came into it with Quater Mass Experiment. But at least Hammer Horror and Order is the first one that featured both yeah. of them. And, and this was the third episode that we did back in de December of 2022. So the only two that we had done before this that released before it were the Quater Mass Experiment or the, uh, AKA The Creeping Unknown from 1955. And then X the Unknown from 1956. So uh, Cushing and Orly weren't in either one of those. So this was the first one that we did that uh, had those guys in it. And then like almost every other movie after that had one or the other, right? So <laughs> pretty much. There might be one other outlier. I think, uh, uh, wasn't there another, uh, Quater yeah, Quatermass 2 mm -hmm. didn't have either of them. I think every other movie that we've uh, done so far after that have had one of them in it. So... It's it's a it's a long run. Um, and I mean, this is kind of hairs and everything, but I mean, this is the first. Yeah, you know, those Quatermass films could be seen leaning more as towards sci-fi than horror. Yeah, yeah. Even though for our purposes, we'll cover those more you know sci-fi related ones too, like that. But this was the first horror, proper horror one, I guess you could say, from Hammer that that uh, took off. Also, yeah, because those the biggest time those first two, yeah, because because those first two they did have horror elements. But I wouldn't, yeah. like oh, you yeah. said, I wouldn't outright call those horror movies either. They're more, they're definitely more sci-fi. That's of the time, right? We've talked about that. Like that was what it was all about at that time, right? Like the monsters, the horror movie stuff had kind of 
took a back seat to sci-fi atomic age type stuff because people had just lived through real life horrors of world war two and probably just didn't want to, you know, for a while probably just didn't want to see the monsters and shit. Right. Well, yeah, there was that. And then there was the, uh, the whole, once we, once world war two ended, then you have the cold war starting with, uh, with, with, you know, Russia and all that stuff. So I think a lot of those sci-fi movies, really, we haven't talked about this yet, but horror kind of went away for a while for the most part in that early 90s. And it was sci-fi took the front seat because I think of those, you know, post-war and then the Cold War era, a lot of that invasion of the body snatches and all these things were direct or maybe not direct. I mean, there's a lot of subversion in there as far as you can just take them face value for sci-fi with horror elements, or you can read into it the symbolism of the Cold War and and the fear of that and what was going on. So. I think Hammer, though, this movie, Curse of Frankenstein, was was probably the, one of the first movies that kicked off a revitalization of the horror genre. You, do you think there's anything at that time period, too, to uh, television be- kind of becoming more of a thing by that point? You know, because, like, it was probably cheaper for them to do, like, say, uh, I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock Presents or The Twilight Zone, stuff like that. So you could kind of get your horror fixed there mixed with your sci-fi. True, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know if, like, like you were saying, though, the horror, too, like straightforward horror. A lot of people probably weren't ready to see that right after World War II. Yeah. You know, you didn't get that sort of thing that you had going on with the gothic horror of Frankenstein and Dracula and these and these things that can be maybe that seen as like a, a dark aspect to it or whatever. You know, people were trying to get a little bit more uplifting things. But then the Cold War started. So then you get the Cold War fears coming through the sci-fi like we talked about. But, yeah, television probably did play a, a role in uh, – there was a lot of sci-fi on it, but like you said, there was a lot of horror elements coming through Twilight Zone, etc., and all Outer Limits and whatnot. So, yeah, very much television, very much I think did play a role. Also on television, though, you had a lot, and this is also what probably led to some of the revitalization of horror and the Hammer picking up the mantle from Universal is that those Universal movies went through their own period of, you know, a second, I guess, second, uh, what do you call it, run at life or whatever, by television, you know reruns of the uh, universal movies on tv people were still very much fans of the monster movies and all that stuff so i think that kind of helped when curse of frankenstein was in its prep phase which we didn't mention this but it's probably important because it, it's uh it brings to light another studio that was hammer's main rival max rosenberg was a producer and uh he kind of brought the story or the idea of doing a frankenstein movie to michael carreras who was the son of James Carreras, who founded Hammer Films, and Michael Carreras was kind of taking over the reins and was executive producing behind the scenes for Hammer. And uh, so it was uh, Max Rosenberg and I believe it was uh, Milton Sabotsky. I can't remember his, his first name right now. Yeah, Milton Sabotsky. Sabotsky, that's right, who uh, supposedly wrote the script for that movie you mentioned, The Frankenstein and the Monster, the original title. There was a script that Sabotsky had, but I guess they paid them off five thousand dollars or so and got them out of the picture for whatever reason and took you know give it to Jimmy Thangster to rewrite the script and uh, they ran with it and called it Curse of Frankenstein. Meanwhile, Rosenberg and Sabatsky went on to form Amicus Films, which was Hammer's uh, most famous rival at the time. I guess so. You'll have to wait till we do Amicus Horror in order. No. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say uh, uh, we'll call that series Amicus and the Three Assholes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm sure we'll get to some Amicus films down the line somewhere. They did they did that some some good ones too. You know they were like I said they were the most obvious rival of Hammer at the time, and they did put out some decent ones. But we I'm sure we won't be doing a <laughs> a particularly you know Amicus related show. But we'll get some on the regular show at some point. Down Maybe when we finally hit the end of the road with the Hammer Horror in order, you know, and yeah. when we're all 85 years old, we got to have another sure. series Amicus. You know, <laughs> the other way it's, it's always, happen, it's always that voice. Yeah. yeah, you always got to instantly go into Grandpa Simpson mode when you're when you're old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys that started the Amicus were actually Americans, so that probably really pissed them off even more. <laughs> the main rivals of of Hammer were was a studio that was based in England, but owned or at least operated and run by those two American producers. You know, we've talked about the history of horror and all that, but you know, some of that probably had to do too with like people just getting tired of the 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 Universal Monster stuff, so to speak, right? Like. I'd say by this point that had that had beyond jumped the shark, so to speak. Like you know, like oh, yeah. once you do like you Ab- <laughs> once you do like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or something. Like everybody's probably like, all right. That's enough. You know, like we're tired <laughs> of that. But fucking Dracula, Frankenstein, all that stuff. You know, let's just 
Let's let's watch something else for a while. Yeah. Or before even before that, or right, but around the same time, you had the House of Dracula and the House of Frankenstein, right? Where there were like this, like Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy were all in the same movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like they they had beyond jump the shark. So I'm sure, at least in the U.S., most audiences were probably just done with it, you know, for a while. So that, I'm sure that played a hand. But either way, yeah, this stars Peter Cushing as uh, Victor Frankenstein. What more do you need to say? It's Peter Cushing. Hazel Court as Elizabeth. That's his. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. His love. We'll say that. <laughs> How about that? He's that's his love. Robert Urquhart as Paul. That's uh, Victor Frankenstein's partner. Uh, really, he's like his tutor, and then he kind of becomes his partner, right? Uh, then, of course, yep. Christopher Lee as the creature. He's Frankenstein's monster himself. Uh, those are really your main players. I mean, there's a few others like uh, Valerie Gaunt as Justine. She's the maid. Uh, a few others that we'll bring up, I'm sure, along the way. But yeah, that's your that's your main cast. So, yeah, Cushing and Lee. Together for the yep. first time here, as far as like Hammer is concerned, right? Because I think I remember yep. when we did that episode, they had been in something before together, but they weren't like on the screen at the same time. It was kind of like they just both happened to be in the same movie, but they didn't interact. So really, also too, you know, they went on to become lifelong friends all the way up until yeah. Peter Cushing's passing, and then of course Christopher Lee has since passed. But uh, this is why. This movie right here, them working together, they met each other, became fast friends, and then a lifetime of friendship, you know, comes right out of uh, The Curse of Frankenstein. So there's a lot of uh, horror history at play here. Yeah, they were in Hamlet together, uh, Moulin Rouge, and Alexander the Great. All before this. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. And they just never, yeah, never really met. I guess that that probably happens know? a lot in movies, you know, where you would yeah. think you would think because they're on screen together, all these people know each other. But really, Donnie, you know a little bit about that because you work behind the scenes of mm-hmm. making some stuff. Sometimes you don't interact. You know, like you're not on the set at the same time as this other person. Like you know, so because they film things out of order, right, and everything like that. So you're not always no. there at the same time. So yeah. That, yeah, it, you know, you had talked about uh, Peter Cushing. That you know, you had mentioned that um, you know Peter Cushing is was kind of used to doing uh, live, uh, kind of live TV, or at least um, acting in front of a live audience. Uh, he was actually really looking forward. He had mentioned this in an interview. He was really looking forward to uh, to doing the film as a uh, as a change of pace from what he was typically used to. Um, and this was also the first Frankenstein movie to be filmed in color. Um, and probably not surprised. Well, this is probably surprising for us, um, in our audience, but this is actually the very first movie that we've, we've done with Christopher Lee in it. You mean here on the podcast? Yeah. Here on the podcast. Yeah. Have we done any Cushing that I'm blanking on? We have not. So yeah, that's the first. For no. both of them. Peter Cushing, yeah. Yeah. So cool. both of them. That's it. So we had to wait 175 episodes here on the, <laughs> on the show. You know what? Yep. We've had a lot of firsts here over the last few months over a little bit of everything what we've been doing, especially with the disaster. It's crazy. Almost five years, and we're still, we still got tons of firsts. True. <laughs> Why fuss and fret about dinner? Why not have it right here? Yes, this drive-in offers everyone in the family a real picnic treat for dinner. We've got delicious sandwiches with all the trimmings and your other dinner favorites, plus whatever you want to drink, hot or cold. Come early before the show starts, or eat while you're being entertained, or at intermission time. So why fuss? Give your family a tasty dinner at this drive-in. Just for you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So uh, I, I jump over to audible.com, type in Hammer Horror just to see what pops up. And we, we've actually got a couple things here. Some that have something to do with Hammer, I think, and some that don't. We've got <laughs> Unmade Movies, Hammer Horror's The Unquenchable Thirst of Dracula. And that is a uh, BBC Radio 4 adaptation of the unproduced screenplay by Anthony Hines. That, that could be interesting. Uh, it's mm, yeah. just, just under an hour and a half long. It's actually called like, so I guess the script would be, or the screenplay would be the unquenchable thirst of Dracula is what they're uh, doing there. So that would actually be kind of cool to listen to. Uh, we've got God hammer by John Conroe. That's an audible exclusive. That one's over 12 and a half hours long. I'm just scrolling down a little bit to see if I see anything actually has anything to do with hammer films. And we've got 
uh, Hammer Chillers. That this definitely looks like it's uh, like the Hammer logo looks the same by multiple uh, authors and multiple narrators. That one's over three and a half hours long. So yeah, if any of that stuff uh, sounds like it floats your boat, head on all head on over to audibletrial.com slash spook show. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spook show for your free audio book. So I'm going to hop back on over to imdb.com and I'm going to click on plot summary to see what, uh, see what pops up here. All right, here we go. We've got, well, surprise, surprise, a popular movie. There's a few. So I'll go with the, the, the one sentence one basically, and then I'll go with the long one for Donnie. Mm, so he understands, he understands what's going on. While awaiting execution for murder, Baron Victor Frankenstein tells the story of a creature he built and brought to life only for it to behave not as he intended. That's basically the classic Mary Shelley story, right? We've got two longer ones that are roughly about the same length, so I'll just pick one. This one was submitted by Gary KMCD on IMDb. In prison and awaiting execution, Dr. Victor Frankenstein recounts to a priest what led him to his current circumstance. He inherited his family's wealth after the death of his mother when he was still only a young man. He hires Paul Krimp as his tutor, and he immediately developed an interest in medical science. After several years, he and Krimp become equals, and he develops an interest in the origins and nature of life. After successfully reanimating a dead dog, Victor sets about constructing a man using body parts he acquires for the purpose, including the hands of a pianist and the brain of a renowned scholar. As Frankenstein's excesses continue to grow, Krimp is not only repulsed by what his friend has done, but is concerned for the safety of the beautiful Elizabeth, Victor's cousin and fiance. <laughs> Who has come to live with him. His experiments lead to tragedy and his eventual demise. So there you go. That, that pretty much well sets it up there, right? So, uh, by the way, we did, I, did, I failed to mention this is based on the original novel, uh, Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley, right? So, although they changed some stuff, right, Smoke? But it's essentially kind of the same story. Yeah, yeah. And sort of the same story that Universal used, of course, except uh, I guess this is something we, I didn't really mention in the beginning, but, uh, Universal threatened to sue the film if they used anything, in other words, the likeness of Frankenstein that they came up with, Wars Kalaloff, or any yeah. of the uh, specifics, like the girl, little girl getting thrown in and into the pond and drowning by the creature. You know, in the original Frankenstein, they couldn't do anything similar to that, so they had to change up some of the, the things, some of the storyline, at least the things that were that pertain to Universal's vision of it. So, where, Donnie, where do you want to start? I mean, this was your pick. You brought it. You brought it in. So. Uh... Yeah. What, what, what's so, one of the first talking points here? Oh, man. So, and this is also kind of something that, uh, you know, we we kind of lead in with, uh, which, you know, it's just a different kind. I mean, you you had mentioned, you know, earlier that, you know, every everything pretty much now nowadays is done digitally. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, something that you see in the first few shots is uh, like a you see the the guy coming in on horseback and then you see a big matte painting in the in the background that's basically you know oh i mean obviously is that nowadays is it's done all digitally uh but you know matte painting nowadays is as far as from a physical uh perspective is pretty much <laughs> pretty much a lost art yeah um, no question um but yeah i i, I Obviously, start and, you know, in the past, you watch these older ones like that. So you, you do get mixed results with that. Sometimes it's like, all right, uh, that, that looks like ass. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes you get the really, really good ones. Yeah. You know, like this one, I think it was really well done. So it, you yeah. know, it, it lends a, a different aesthetic. You know, it looks different than yeah, like that, that type of stuff, you know, and it's kind of a cool thing of a, of a bygone era, right? Yeah. And, you know, it depends on the artist, <laughs> right? It depends on the true. quality. Is, uh, Which also, is depending. Uh, in result right? yeah which also probably goes back to how much money was spent you know who are you getting to do this stuff you know like is it jesse james meets frankenstein's daughter level <laughs> or is it you know or is it ha- hammer films hammer studios which was you know i'm not going to say they were well oiled machine at this point but you know they they were well established yeah. by 1957 yeah. so you know they've got they've got good people working for them so <laughs> that probably lends to a lot of it but as far as the movie itself, I think the the first thing is that, that I noted was that I love the story setup of like Victor. He's telling like these things have already happened, so he's in yeah. he's, he's jailed. He's basically on death row, right? He's he's waiting for the hangman's rope, so to speak, and he's 
telling the story of how he got here. So I, I liked, I appreciated that. I liked that setup of mm-hmm. him telling the story. All right, like, let's get into it. And then it, you know, obviously, you know, it comes back around at the end, but I, I like that. <laughs> That's setup. sort of like, uh, uh, I guess the, it was doing that. <laughs> Until what? that part comes in at the end again, you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a wrap." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Well, that's me. Bet you wonder how how I got here." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Freeze frame. Yeah. Yep. yep, that's me. <laughs> Not quite good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not quite that level, but yeah, you know, I I I, I like that storytelling kind of device, whatever how whatever you call that. You know, I've always kind of liked that about movies when you kind of feel like you know at some point. That's coming back around, whether it's at the very end or somewhere towards the end, and then they get to the, you know, get to the main point. But yeah, I, I like that. So right at the beginning, his his was it his mom that died? Yeah, his dad had already been dead, right? His mom died. Yeah. So like now Victor, as a young man, he's like the heir to the fortune, the Frankenstein fortune, and he immediately has an aunt. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you know, your mom gave me an allowance, so <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, I'll give it to you every month, and and check out my daughter, you know, your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> she's just straight up pimping her daughter like you know she'll make a wonderful wife one day i say you know what the fuck you know what yeah and i i had actually looked in i was like why is nobody because nobody nobody during that i mean okay so yes the the movie is set in the 1860s but also nobody questions that the this entire time like it's like uh even paul mentions uh uh, later on, he's like, you, you, you can't marry someone you barely know. Yeah, but he, doesn't even doesn't even acknowledge the fact that they're yeah. cousins. Oh, barely know <laughs> or family blood. Yeah, should be so, the continuation of the sentence. <laughs> so I was just, you know, I was just like, why isn't anybody, you know, kind of uh, mentioning this? So I looked into it, and back then it wasn't a taboo thing. That like it wasn't, um, you know. <laughs> It well, was, yeah, it now, wasn't as, I guess, as like big a, as a deal. Without us, then. you know, we're just three dudes, you know, from uh, the Carolinas here in America. We don't know <laughs> a lot about the bloodlines of nobility and whatnot, right? But wasn't that mm. a thing? Like, they kind of kept it in the family, right, Smoke? Like, that was not uncommon, think, correct? Yeah, but I think that might have been going back a little bit even further as far as by the time. Because what time does this movie take place in? Is it the 1700s? Uh, oh, 1860s. I'm pretty, pretty sure by that time, though, they weren't necessarily doing it with their first cousin. Maybe fourth or fifth cousin removed. <laughs> now, they didn't establish how many cousins, right? Like, you assume, yeah. like, okay, that's his aunt, it's the first cousin. And it's probably a safe assumption, but I don't know if they ever broke it down. You know, you just kind of draw some conclusions there. But still, either way, what the fuck? Okay, well, maybe third cousin, okay. But <laughs> no, no. But yeah, that is funny that they never acknowledge it past you just knowing that right <laughs> no one is like taken aback like what the fuck that's your cousin no no they're... no it's... <laughs> yeah wild uh, so i'm sure donnie you were happy that in this one they brought the puppy back to life instead of killing the puppy i was right? yeah i was i was thrilled with that that's yeah. that, that's gonna factor into my rating <laughs> it gets an extra <laughs> half a star Cat and reanimator, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a completely <laughs> different type of. Th- yeah. This, this yeah, is we've like, already discussed that. In, this uh, is bringing the dog rewind. back to life, not like reanimator or not like pet cemetery. This is like, <laughs> you know, hey, the puppy's okay, kind of thing. Uh, and by the know, way, cats are different. And by the way, there was nothing fake about that. I didn't read any background information, but you can clearly tell they took a a real dog and put it in a tank, right? I'm assuming that was like a fake dog in the tank, and then like I don't know. When they I did, pour something I did on it, it see a little uh, a little you know abdomen rise, like and maybe it was just me, but like I uh, how they yeah, I did up. see a little. I wonder you know, how they pulled it off. Like it looked, I mean, it was clearly a real dog once it you know they woke it up. But like I wonder how they did that without <laughs> accidentally killing a dog, or did they kill a dog and you know fuck it? It's you know this is pre PETA days, right? So get. <laughs> Go get another dog, Frank. We just we just did it again. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I knew you would like that—that that they were bringing a puppy back to life instead of killing one, like a lot of our movies do. Although not many kill puppies. Usually, it's full-grown old-ass dogs. You know, like Cujo level shit. It's not like you know, <laughs> a cute little puppy. 
How about when they steal the they steal a body? You know that that basically becomes the monster, right? The creature, <laughs> and then they, he just like casually cuts its head off and then puts it puts it in a bag and then throws it in the acid bin. Like ne- next, you know, it's like it's like us like cutting up a watermelon and just throwing away the rinds. Like no no second thought to it. Fuck it. Yeah, that that was part of that shock factor I was talking about that uh that got underneath the uh, critics and uh, people's skins at the time. I guess <laughs> one of the scenes. I wonder how, Donnie, did you look up how common it was to uh, marry your cousin and have a big vat of acid sitting around? Uh, that was less likely. Yeah, I would think so. No, I, yeah. St- studies show it was <laughs> it was less likely. Yeah, but, you know, he probably, like saved himself all that time and stuff. And like when their first child would have probably came out like a Frankenstein's monster or something. Yeah, no? well, maybe. <laughs> Actually, I did because just find horrible. it uh, by the decree of King George. Uh, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Oh, hmm. 1800s, crazy time. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I put it in there that Elizabeth, you know, this is like years later, like fast forward, right? Uh, now, like, because they're a little older. Like, he's not a young man anymore. Victor is now, what would, what would you roughly say the passage of time here is? 15, 20 years? Give, roughly? I don't know, 10, 10 to 20 years. Somewhere in that range, he's I would have and his, uh, his tutor or whatever now. He looks older than his tutor. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, that is ironic. And I'm betting you they had to uh, paint up old uh, uh, Robert Urquhart, you know, Paul. I bet you they had to put some, like, gray in his hair and stuff like that because he definitely looked a lot younger. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that was a fake beard, right? Like, that didn't look That didn't look right. <laughs> By the way, I think... But, you know, they had an actor playing uh, Peter Cushing's role as his younger self, younger Victor Frankenstein, but not for... Uh, the tutor, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty good casting, too, by the way. Like, that younger version of Victor. Like, he kind of yeah. looked like a, a young uh, Peter Cushing. Did he not? Yeah, and he had the mannerisms down. Like, yeah. you know, copying sort of his style. And I believe whatever. if I'm looking at it correctly, I believe that was actor Melvin Hayes that uh, yeah, played I, the young Victor. I did. Uh, I looked him up. He's still he's still around. Oh, he's man. still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I was Can shocked that it? anybody from this movie was still alive. Well, I was like, yeah. holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like old as dirt. But, I would imagine Jesus. That, he yeah. was the youngest one, so I'm sure he's the only one or one of one of few. <laughs> that surely. might be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is where like Elizabeth shows back up after the passage of time. Like, well, moving in. Why, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> oh yeah, we're getting married. By the way, there was some arrangement years ago. Like. I'm going to marry my cousin. <laughs> Once again, no one is taken aback. Everybody's cool with this. Um, oh, okay. Except for the fact that, like, you need to get the fuck out of here because this is a dangerous place to live. Every, everything else is cool. <laughs> but, of course, Victor being the, uh, you know, douche that he is, he's screwing the maid. Right? He, he's having he's having an affair with, with the maid, Justine. Because that comes back up a little bit later on. Victor, you know, who now is kind of like losing touch with reality, he brings in a professor. It's Professor Bernstein. He's supposedly like the smartest mind in all the land, right? He brings him in just to kill him and take his brain. <laughs> How about the uh, back up to the the the, uh, the the railing there, Professor, so you can get a good look at the at the picture. Look out! And then just pushes him. <laughs> Butterfly! And then just pushes him off. And that motherfucker landed right on top of his head. Yeah, like, like he just took a dive, and I'm like, okay, that damages the brain. Like they did have like foam back then, but damn, like it really just looks like he. It looked like they he killed. Have, they, like, like they killed somebody right there. Like yeah. that dude landed on yeah. his head, neck folded over. Like I'm sure it wasn't that old dude that played the professor. I'm no. sure it was a stuntman, of course. But <laughs> yeah, that, that dude looked straight up dead. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's where they got the creature from. Frankenstein. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they take they take he takes the brain, and Paul's like, "No, you can't do this," because he, he <laughs> Paul calls him out like right away. Like you killed that that old dude, didn't you? Yeah, you wanted that brain, didn't you, motherfucker? So they struggle over it, and it gets smashed on the wall. So like it destroys the brain, but not like completely. The word like Victor's not still not cool with using it. He decides to use it, and of course this is where you. You get the Abby Normal moment, right, Smoke? Where the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, I'm that uh, that's where the Abby Normal came from, right? I mean, more than any other movie, oh, <laughs> more yeah. than any other Frankenstein movie, Mel Brooks must have been influenced by the, the Abby Normal brain from this. Yeah. Abby <laughs> Normal. What? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that he puts you, the he puts the brain. Dis- destroyed brain inside the creature, and of course that that doesn't uh, come back to haunt them at all, right? The creature it, it almost seems like it comes back, it comes to life, not back to life. It comes to life almost by accident, right? Like he's kind of doing the experiment. And he's like, "Oh fuck, I can't do this by myself," and then goes to Paul, right? Like, please, it, please help me out, and then it just comes to life. So it was almost like a happy accident, really. Don't even really think about this. I mean. Because it's good riding up to the point where Frankenstein, the monster, doesn't appear until more than halfway, right? At least, or at least a halfway point of the movie. Easily, yeah. If not more, and, uh, you if not more than realize. Halfway. And a lot of times, for for a movie that's maybe not written this well, you would notice something like that. Like, man, this movie's Frankenstein movie, and the monster hasn't even appeared. It's been this long, but I mean, the writing and every the lead up to it was uh, was good enough so that you didn't really notice that fact. Yeah, until. Until it finally does, and like, oh yeah, that's right, we're getting a monster in this movie, you know. <laughs> but of course, as soon as it lives, it almost instantly tries to kill. Not almost, it does. It, it instantly tries to kill Victor, and then escapes. <laughs> like, takes him all of like two seconds. He's alive. Fuck him, you know, and starts choking him. Gets away. Now the the scene that's supposed to be like the in the original Frankenstein, like Boris Karloff's original, where he kills the little girl, right? This is similar to that yeah. where there's like a little boy with his blind grandpa. So it's kind of like they married because yeah. it wasn't in that original. There was a little girl that he kills and then there's a blind man that tries to help him, right? Yeah, the blind man tries to help him. Yeah, and, so uh, they kind of... They they're on fire. Oh, wait, no, that was... Uh, yeah, no, that was Young Frankenstein again. But it, in this one, it seems yeah. like they kind of took those two concepts or those two ideas and kind of married them together, right? Here's the little boy and the blind grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, because as I mentioned earlier, they couldn't do the girl again because that was a Universal thing, and they would get sued by Universal, so they had to do their own version of it. So they kind of yeah, it seemed like they tied those two characters together and changed it to the boy instead of the little girl. But also, what did you think? What did y'all think of his reveal, like the monster's makeup? Because again, that was another thing they couldn't have him look anything like Boris Carlos, so they had to come up with their own vision of what the Frankenstein's monster would look like. So, what did y'all think about? It? I mean, if you don't get too, if you don't get too hung up on the fact that it looks nothing like the Universal, you know. The, <laughs> With the neck bolts mm-hmm. and everything like that, you know, if you get past that, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a, a good job, you know. And it, it's better than some of the movies that even come after this. These other Hammer movies we've watched, some of them aren't as good as this. Yeah. Pretty, pretty so uh, um, there was uh, makeup artist Philip Leakey. Uh, he was it. He tried to do a cast of Christopher Lee's head, and um, it turned into like an epic fail. And then, like the day before they started shooting. He's like, okay, let's just figure this out. They didn't ha- he didn't have any um, uh, latex or molds or anything. So each and every time that they shot uh, Christopher Lee's scenes, uh, they would have to redo, you know, the makeup. When I say each time, it was actually each day. Each day mm-hmm. they redid the makeup and then just redid it each and every day. So it probably ended up looking differently just because of that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there's probably slight variations just because of the yeah. way they were doing it. Because of all, and also the different, you know, levels of like when he was shot, he got like a different eye and, you know, just like, I guess, kind of the progression of either decomposition or, you know, what have you. Uh, I think it it actually worked to their benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he shoots him in the head, which we're, you know, we're about to discuss, like he comes back and like part of his hair is shaved, right? Like down the middle or something. So like mm. you got you got in his eye and everything. So yeah, you get a different look. But yeah, that's what we're about to talk about. Paul, like, so he gets out. Paul and Victor go hunt him down. He's like, did you call the cops? Yeah, yeah, I called. <laughs> they go and hunt him down. <laughs> Paul shoots him. He's like, Let, let's wait for the cops. No, they're not coming. I didn't call nobody. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> Victor, Victor is truly a, a, a dickhead in this one, isn't he? Like, it seems like he's way more of a villain in this version of the story than a lot of other versions that you, you see as far as the Frankenstein story, you know? True. And, and- all perspective. I mean, he's not a villain to himself, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> always the thing. Every good villain thinks he's the good guy. You know, I, I get that, but in this one, it definitely seems like he's more like, you know, he, he's a prick to the maid, you know, who he's been screwing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We didn't mention that one part that I think is pretty, it's cold, calculated, but kind of funny is that when she's, when he's kind of making the final break with the maid and says something like, about the father of a baby or something like that. She goes, well, well, pick oh. anybody in the village. It probably could be any one of them. <laughs> something along those. Lines. You know, I forgot <laughs> that line from the, you know, when we watched it a few months back, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I, 
damn, that was a thing. That was cold hearted. He got her good. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Pick any man. That'll that'll suffice. Why does it have to yes. be me? God damn. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they they Paul shoots the creature in the in the head and it falls out dead. And then it's like, well, they bury it. That's the end of that. Of course, Victor instantly goes back out and digs him back up and <laughs> brings him back to life for the second time. And that's when Justine, the maid, you know, the, the, the scene that we just referenced, she's like, oh, I'll, I'll dig up some dirt on your ass if you're not going to, you know, take care of me. So he basically kind of leads her on purpose, right, to go into the room where the creature is. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, you know, locks the door and then just stands there as the creature just mauls her to death. So that was pretty rough. <laughs> just after after that uh, after that dialogue that we just talked about, then he does that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But going back to that blind grandpa thing for a second, did he kill? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you don't see anything happen. You just kind of see the creature approach the grandpa. He's like, leave me alone. I'm an old man. And then... He just kind of goes toward him, right? <laughs> and then you don't see anything happen. Then you hear a, <laughs> so I assume he's dead, but you don't see it, right? You just see like the little boy over there playing by the, the babbling brook, just grandpa. And then that's it. <laughs> so I assume, but they never addressed it like at all. Like, I was just curious. What sound did he make? Does he make when he died? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Just saying like, they didn't even uh. show like, you know how in these older movies, like you may not show somebody dying or even their corpse or anything, but you might show like some shoes sticking out of a bush. You know, like oh, there's a dead body over there. Like they didn't even do that. They're just like, oh well, I guess he's dead. Fuck him. Who cares? Because they were talking about like, well, thank God we stopped the creature before anybody got hurt. But meanwhile, we know like I'm pretty sure he just killed a grandpa over there. It's probably not far from where you're standing. You should go check it out. <laughs> The creature gets loose after, you know, basically Victor sets him on the uh, maid. There's kind of a little bit of a struggle. Like, he's try- Victor is still trying to, you know, uh, salvage this situation. And he, did he accidentally, sh- I think he shot Elizabeth, right? He accidentally shot her. Mm-hmm. He's aiming for the creature, I think, but then he shot her. Yes. Yeah, uh... She just kind of falls over like, oh. <laughs> it's more like a faint than I just got fucking shot in the shoulder. Oh, uh... She just. Because you, you're kind of in that moment, you're kind of left to assume like, fuck, he just shot her ass dead, you know? Like, but she just kind of leans over, and then there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a struggle with the creature, and then the creature falls through the glass ceiling. <laughs> there's like windows on the ceiling. Falls That's another <laughs> right into the acid bath. Yeah, gone. But the now, didn't he make a sound? He made a sound going down there too. What he was did. <laughs> what was that sound? I forget. <laughs> I think they just had like, all right, Chuck, you scream, and we're gonna keep using the same scream over and over again. <laughs> well, I do, re- I do remember it sounding a little bit less baritone than you would have expected from a creature, you know, like yeah. like in the Universal, kind of <laughs> you would think something like that, but more of a creature sound instead of. <laughs> it'd be like, oh, oh no! I don't know why. I in find reality, this so it'd be like, hilarious. It would be like fuck me, and then right to the acid <laughs> bath, but. It's 1957. They couldn't. That's that's the alternate <laughs> cut. Uh, so, but this oh, this late, so right. like this. I like this nice little tie up here though, because now we let's go back to the uh, where Victor is in the jail cell, right? Oh yeah, he's telling the story of how he got here. Paul shows up. He's and he's like, because he's confessing all this to a priest, right? So he's like, Paul, Paul, I'm glad you're here. You tell him, tell him about the creature that we made. <laughs> <laughs> tell him about the creature that we made and that he did all this right and he's like Paul's just like I don't know mother. this motherfucker's crazy and then they just have to take him to the guillotine and kill his ass so that's and, and, and there's no they make it a point to put that line in there too when the creature falls into the acid bath that like there was no trace of the monster because of the acid right so like mm. it's his word against everyone else's at that point like did he do this or was there really a, a fucking monster so Paul and I guess Elizabeth to an extent are just like, well, fuck Victor. Yeah. <laughs> he made his bed. He's got a lie in it. So they lead him to the guillotine. And that's the, literally the last thing you see in this film is the guillotines, the shadow of the guillotine through the window being raised up and then roll credits, you know, why you see that back there and then fade to black. So that's it. The curse of Frankenstein, 1957. Well, at least that's it until the revenge of Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Well, when we get, 
And we did get to that over on Hammer Horror and Order. So we encourage you to go check yeah. those out over on the YouTube channel. That one and tons more that we've done so far. So, Donnie, you brought it to the table. We've talked about it before on the on the YouTube. So, uh, yeah. you know, before we, wait a minute, before we get into that, I should add what the, we said on that one. Because over okay. there, we kind of yeah. give a group consensus. That was our highest rated, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Uh, Hammer Horror. Now, over there, we give hammers. All right, real real cliche, but we kind of come together beforehand. Let's let's come up with a rating, and for that one, we gave four and three quarter hammers out of five. So that's, that's really about good. as yeah. good as it can get, and we haven't had one quite that high since. So been close. All but, that all that know. being said, that's that's where we kind of sit on it now. So now that we're giving it our proper ratings here on the show, what what do you say? So yeah, this is this being a uh, you know a little different. Uh, you know, I want to make sure I'm rating this, you know, fairly for, uh, uh, for you know, for Hammer, but also as well as our show, our, you know, our, our podcast and, you know, normal horror. But, you know, I think I found a kind of a happy medium here. You know, I'm, I'm going to go four stars. Could not recommend this anymore, though. But, yeah, that's where I'm at. Professor? Yeah, you know, I echo Donnie's sentiments on it. And uh, I think it's a classy fucking gothic horror movie from hammer one of if not arguably the best i mean we'll we'll find all that out as we get further along into the hammer horror in order uh but it is it's certainly up there i mean there's there's quite a few i haven't seen yet so i'll be looking forward to seeing those when we get to them i still even you know that being said i still don't think we're going to find too many that better this as far as all the elements the actors the the writing the directing all those things came together excellently for this movie and uh i think i'll give it I'll go with four and a quarter, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard to argue. Uh, myself, I think I'm going to go four. Um, and, and that just, I think I'll kind of give myself a little bit of wiggle room for future, for the future, you know, mm. if we, like we do yeah. another hammer that I like a little bit more. So I'll give myself that. But like, dude, I'm not going to argue the four and a quarter or maybe even like four and a half. It really is a great movie. I think we haven't talked about this at all here on the episode, but I think it would be a pretty good entry level hammer flick, right? Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a really good really good point. Like if you haven't seen any hammer, I think this would be a very good at least very good starting point. Like this is the flavor you're getting out of uh yeah. you know, the hammer stuff. So uh if you like your classic monster movies, you like your classic uh you know British horror type stuff, then like this is this is top flight, you know. I don't think you'd go wrong, so yeah, so that gives us, you know, without Will's two cents, that gives us a consensus of just over four stars. It's 4.08 stars on the old meter. So we highly recommend it. Go check it out. It's really, as as of the recording of this, I think you have to rent it or buy it. Like, I don't think it was like openly yeah. streaming anywhere that I saw this time around. So I couldn't find it. Yeah. So you have to rent it or buy it, which, you know, honestly, at this point, I probably just need to keep need to go buy a copy because like, I'd like to watch it again sooner or later. So I probably just need to go snatch it on Blu-ray somewhere at some point and smoke. I'm sure you've got it on at least four different formats. So you're covered. Yeah. I have it on at least two yeah, on uh, <laughs> DVD and uh, VHS. <laughs> all right. So uh, w- without all the, with, with all the ratings out of the way, Connections. I'm <laughs> laughing, boy. <laughs> yeah, this is probably going to shock you guys, uh, uh, believe it or not. Uh, um, there are no uh, connections, for, or it may not shock you. There are no, mm-hmm. no connections for uh, uh, cast or crew to past spook show episodes i had mentioned uh, earlier that you know this is the first movie we've done with uh christopher lee and peter cushing as well um that's so shocking. that's the shocking part there this is the yeah. first time i am filming 175 episodes yeah yeah i mean we yeah. have if, if you think about it though it makes sense because we haven't done a lot of stuff from the 50s we haven't done any like british horror stuff and like there probably was a separation between the folks that worked behind the scenes, say on this stuff, than there would have been any of the American stuff, oh, yeah. especially back then, right? So it makes total yeah. sense. Very much an in-house studio. Yeah. A lot of these actors and writers and all that were just work for Hammer, <laughs> or some other British, you know, maybe Amicus, maybe. <laughs> and we haven't done any of their movies yet either. So 
Will's not here to give the kill count. So, but what would you say? That's probably, it's not many, right? It's just a few mm-hmm. that you, you know, at least on screen, you only see, including the creature, the maid, I guess the old grandpa, maybe one or two others I'm blanking on. So, you know, you only see a couple here, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the kill reel. I like kill. I guess, you know, I, I kind of have to come to a conclusion on this. This one's tough because it's not like, you know, there's tons of on-screen, yep. you know, deaths and stuff like that. I guess I'm just going to go with the creature falling through the ceiling and landing mm-hmm. in the vat of acid because, like, really much much of the other ones that I, you don't really see on screen, you know, like the grandpa, the maid, right? Like, it's all implied, kind of like, they just scream. And then, you know they died, but you don't see it, right? Unless I'm blanking on one. I think that's... Uh, I would, I would probably make the, make the case for the professor just because he okay, really yeah. falls on his head. Hey, what's that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's pretty good. And he dies. Uh, uh, now, I'm going yeah. to stick with the, the, the creature, but that's pretty good. Yeah. I forgot about him. Uh, but yeah, either way, this, this isn't one of those wall to wall type of, uh, violent movies for, yeah. per se. So. <laughs> Gore score. Well, yeah, as you just talked about it, your your last sentence was, this isn't one of the most violent movies, <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's got its moments that you could tell would maybe shock some censors and some uh, critics out of that time in 1957. But, of course, by today's standard, you know, once you come to the 70s, 80s, and all the splatter and everything starts coming in, it's a lot more gory. Basically, once Herschel Gordon Lewis makes Blood Feast, which was uh, not too many years later, <laughs> after this movie uh before you get some real you know gore, really gory stuff so it, it is funny how you think about it like timeline wise how things change pretty quick yeah i was literally six years i think between yeah. this movie and blood feast <laughs> yeah yeah six years 63 i believe it was that blood feast came out yeah it was 63 so uh yeah six years and that time and then you know hersh gordon lewis like blew, blew the doors off when he came to the door and then there's the floodgates of the 70s and 80s. So, but yeah, this one you have what the severed hands, which is aftermath stuff. You don't see them, of course, cutting hands off necessarily, right? Or uh, the head. The head thing is kind of an implied thing. You don't see any sort of, you know, hacking of the head off or whatever. Uh, him getting shot, the creature getting shot in the eye and blood splatters. You know, he's got blood coming out between his, well, he covers his eye with his hand and you see the blood come out between his fingers. So, nothing overly gory. But uh, I think I'll go with a. I guess I'll go with four. I mean, because like I said, it's not a whole lot of it. There's a few things that are there that would probably, as we said, basically be a PG-13 movie these days. So uh, yeah, I'll go with four. Well, there we go. I guess that's uh, kind of where we'll leave it. Um, I wouldn't think we'd have too many more excuses to bring this particular movie back up, but we'll definitely be bringing more Hammer Horror to you over on YouTube. Hammer Horror in Order series. We encourage you to check that out. It's, it's a cool little series we got going there, and I'm sure this is. The first, but certainly not the last time we'll talk about Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and the whole Hammer crew just right here on the podcast proper. Like you said, maybe the next time around we'll get to the Revenge of Frankenstein, you know, kind of follow that lineage, who knows. Before we get back to the Hellraiser series, which I'm sure is coming very soon. You know, (laughs) we had to to come up with an entire summer series to avoid any more Hellraiser for a while, but guess what? That's over. I'm pretty sure we did all the Hellraisers, right? No, no, I think hmm. that's wishful thinking. I think Shit. you're. I think you're that wishful thinking Cenobite that pops up in the next movie. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But anyways, yeah. So that that's uh that's it for this week. So uh, next week on Labor Day, <laughs> how appropriate. Episode <laughs> one hundred and seventy six. We're returning to Cannon Fodder. It's been on hiatus. You know, if you don't know what Cannon Fodder is, that's where we pick a movie at random, and we we're truly leaving it up to fate now. Because the way we're doing it, but it's a wheel spin. Whatever it lands on, that's what we're doing. We've put like 300 Canon Films titles on there, the ones they produced and the ones they just distributed, right? And, and a few handful of others. So uh, lots of Canon f- films. We're putting it on the wheel, spinning it. Whatever it lands on, that's what we're doing. And for Labor Day, we landed on Emmanuel Four. I think back in our early days of the podcast, it was kind of a joke, like uh, the Emmanuel movies. <laughs> well, now the joke's on us. Emmanuel strikes back. And it's not an Italian one, so unfortunately. 
I don't know if that's fortunate or unfortunate. I don't think I want to see <laughs> any Emmanuel movies after this. So <laughs> we shall see what we have to say about that next week here on the Spook Show. So that's it for Donnie, Professor Smoke. I'm Josh. We are the Spook Show. And we'll talk to you next week when we return for Cannon Fodder. Emmanuel Four. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.